your end. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Joni Stahl's Field Notes, which when you know I have someone on, I call it the Koinonia Hour. So welcome, everybody, back. And as you can see, I have Fred Tomlinson on again, and I'm really glad you're back, Fred. Welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here, I assure you. Yeah. Well, I'm sure whatever you have to teach us today, I'm ready. I have my Bible ready. <laughs> my Bible. <laughs> uh, well, well, very good. Well, thank you. Um, it, it, um, it really is a pleasure. I, I've got a little bit of a technical thing here I'm trying to work out, but... Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here with you, and um, I have been looking to the Lord about this and looking forward to the occasion. Um, Joni may end up giving a different title to this message, but when I was pulling my thoughts together, I jotted down on my paper heading uh, the words, Without love, I am nothing. And I'm taking that from 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read just two verses from chapter 13, where the Apostle Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Now, of course, that was from the old King James and the word love is uh, translated here with the word charity. <clears throat> this, this topic that I'm touching on here is actually a huge topic. And that was really one of my other challenges earlier on, wondering just which aspect of this I can deal with in the, in the time that we have together. Um, but it's a most important subject, and I hope that I can show you what I mean by that. Um, so the statement again, without love, I am nothing. That's a very, very challenging statement. And to understand what we're to think about with these words, we must first understand the identity of the love that is being spoken of. Um, some of you will have heard me say something like this before if you've been listening to me on other occasions. But in 1966, um, I was a professing Christian, a young man, and uh, without going into details, I was coerced to go into a large sort of nondescript house in Liverpool. Um, <clears throat> I was with my brother and my sister-in-law, and they'd been attending meetings there. Uh, on this occasion, they wanted me to go in. It was not a meeting night or anything, but they wanted me to go in and just meet some of the people they knew who would be present. And I didn't want to go, and so I used the word earlier, coerced. I, it was kind of against what I perceived to be my better judgment, but I was wrong because the Lord was in control of that situation and he had a plan for me to go into that house uh, because it would turn out to be a pivotal moment for my entire life. 
And uh, I went in, I spent about an hour, I should think, talking with the folk that I met there. And when I returned home, uh, my wife knew where I'd, I had been. Um, and she knew that I, she, in fact, to be more specific, she thought I was just dropping my brother and my sister-in-law off there and then returning home. So when I hadn't returned for an hour or so, she kind of put two and two together that I'd obviously got caught up there and gone in the house. And uh, but so her words to me when I arrived home were, "What what happened? What happened, Fred?" And my response was this verbatim. I know I'm absolutely to the word accurate when I say this. I said, Sheila, I have never seen love like that. And you have to keep in mind that, of course, I'd been accustomed to Christian meetings and Christian people for, for, for all my life up to that stage. I was, I think, 25 at that point. And uh, the fact of the matter was that my experience in that house with those people, and, and then perhaps in a particular way, what I left with and what was going on in me as I drove home uh, on that occasion was confusion. I was confused because on the one hand, I couldn't deny that I had been, to borrow uh, John Wesley's words, I'd been strangely warmed in that context. And yet on the other hand, uh, uh, my theology was totally rocked because they they I knew that they were talking about some things that i had I had not understood at all, and we had lived a very narrow sort of exclusive uh, Christian experience, and this was different to me and we we were under the impression that we had it all right um, in fact, there was a joke if I can share this that I heard among some of the young people. And uh, they said, when we all get to heaven, there'll be uh, there'll be all these doors and there'll be a sign on one of the doors. It, it will say something like, please don't make a, a noise because there are there are Plymouth brethren inside and they think they're the only ones here. Uh, but that's the way we thought we, we had the edge on the truth of the word of God. Uh, and here I, I was with some people who were of a sort of different persuasion which I won't go into at this point in time. But the fact is, it challenged everything in me. On the one hand, I sensed that I had been touched by something I really didn't understand. And it was rocking my theology. And <clears throat> I believe, coming back to this text, to truly understand the love that is being referred to in this verse, um, we we must we must really allow God to speak to us in our hearts. We need God to help us with this, uh, because uh, what we're what we're talking about and what we're faced with here is, is more than just endearing personalities, which I could say I found in that room. Um, really nice people, and they were very kind. They were very loving towards me. They even gave me tea. I mean. That's loving for an English person. Uh, but but there's a huge, huge distinction between a human personality that is endearing and kind and gentle and to all intents and purposes loving and the love that is referred to in this passage of Scripture. We could end up 
if we were being very superficial, we could read those verses that I've just read. And in particular, the, 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 you know, if we have not got this charity, then nothing else matters. Uh, and we could think of, well, yeah, God's looking for nice people, kind people, and so on. But there's far more for us to understand here. God's people are nice people. They're the most nice and most wonderful people in the whole of the world, those that are truly his. But we're looking at something which is different. The, the Apostle John, he made a, many profound statements, but one that I'm thinking of right now in uh, the first of his epistles, uh, in chapter 4, he, he says simply, and you know these words, God is love. God is love. It, what John is really saying there and helping us to understand is that God doesn't merely practice love. Uh, God isn't merely loving. Of love and being loving. Uh, but what he is saying is that God is love. Uh, the very essence of his being is love. And this love that is being referred to here in this section is, is, is God. Now let's be clear, I am not saying that love is God, because we'd be then thinking of love as we know it generally, and and to say that that's God is ridiculous. I'm, I'm certainly, most certainly not saying that. Uh, but what, what I am saying is that this love that we're to think about here and understand is, is a, a, an attribute of God's own being. It's, it, it's, the, it's who he is. God is love. So we're thinking about love on an entirely different level to what we would normally think about and uh, uh, to, to, to be encountered by this love is really another way of saying I'm being encountered by God. And I believe that is what happened to me when I went into that house. I was being encountered by God. You know, this reminds me of one of the stories of Jacob in the Old Testament. Do you remember? He was sort of on the run, and there's a story behind that statement. Um, but he, he, he's sleeping outdoors, and uh, the text says that he, he he used a rock for his pillow. And when he woke up, uh, he was confused. Mind you, I think if I slept all night outside with my head on a rock, I'd be confused in a different way. But but he was confused in, in, a, in, a, in a transcendent manner um, because while he was sleeping, he had an encounter with God. God spoke to him and made certain very great statements to him. And when he eventually woke up uh, and uh, reflected on what had happened, he said, um, he said, um, God was in this place and I didn't realize it or I knew it not, is the old King James. And he called the name of the place Bethel. And... Uh, so what I'm talking about is having an experience that is very, very real and undeniably uh, out of the normal sphere and beyond the normal parameters of our understanding. And yet at the same time, we don't really understand this. And that's what happened to me. Maybe that's happened to you and maybe more than once, too, in the journey of your life.
But let me, um, let me, as it were, sort of take the camera I've got right now in my imagination and, and back it up, back it up a long, long, long way. Um, in fact, I'm going back to the, to the beginning uh, of what we're learning in the very early chapters of the Bible. But we're told that God created, all right, and to sort of jump through this quickly, uh, God created a paradise. The word Eden is translated or has the meaning of being paradise. God created paradise, and in that paradise, he created man. He made man in his own image and after his own likeness, we're told. And God gave to the man and indeed to the woman that he would later create, uh, he, he gave them... Um, um, abilities he psychologically can i say he designed them for love he gave to them a capacity for love and uh, for that love to be expressed um it was not good uh, uh, for adam to be alone so god created woman as we know made this help meet for him that was identically suited to him that shared the same capacities and abilities and they shared uh, and uh, they gave and received love together that's how god intended it and and then in the context of that uh, perfection of innocence uh, and harmony god himself came down we're told uh, in the cool of the day and although the word isn't used there in that in the early text, but but he fellowshiped with the man and the woman that he'd created that were enjoying uh, this uh, this this incredibly wonderful relationship together, and it was shared in a sense with God, and God was pleased with the whole thing. Now, what we know very well is that in that context there was a cataclysmic event that took place and Adam uh, betrayed the sacred trust um, uh, in his relationship with God and he, he, he in his own heart and by decision he usurped God and he made himself God and there was a consequence for that and as the result of that just moving, stepping forward, a couple of steps quite quickly. Uh, Adam and his wife, they shuffled into the darkness and behind them trapes the entire human race to dwell in a world without divine fellowship, without fellowship with God, estranged from God, distanced from God. Um, let me just add a, a, a parenthesis here, as it were. All this that was taking place was no accident uh, in terms uh, of a surprise for God. God wasn't surprised by anything that was happening. He knew exactly how all this would unfold, and everything was right within the context of his sovereign plan and, and purpose. But in any event, as the result of that that took place in Eden, uh, man reproduced after his own kind. And the story unfolds right up until this present moment of time in which we live. 
But here's the point I want to make. It's quite evident to me that there was a kind of residue of Eden that would linger somehow within man's own being, within his own human heart. Um, a sort of a, a memory, uh, indeed a memory that, that men and women today uh, attempt to sort of create, to, to, to replicate an experience of Eden. It's sort of within us to, we, we want, we have our own plans about it, but we have a, a sense within us that we need to create something that, that that's enjoyable, that fulfills us, that satisfies all of our needs and longings and so on. And we see that, that residue expressed in different ways. Uh, I mean, in, in some very noble ways. For example, I, I think of human romance. Uh, I think of um, I think of a mother with a, a child or with her children, and we could pause and think about that longer. I'm just making references here, um, but the fact is, as a, another song that I know and you may know it also puts it, sin has left its crimson stain, and that original innocence was completely corrupted and remains completely corrupted and so while we may see some 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 genuine decency and some kindness that's very real and indisputable and frankly we thank god that it's around us in people out there who are not christian believers we say well that's that's wonderful we, we wish everyone could be like that so to speak uh, and there'd be no more chaos and hurt and so, but but here's the reality while we can isolate um, you know, wonderful romance and loving parents and children in secure home situations and so on. We know that that innocence that has been so terribly corrupted um, uh, displays itself in some very, very different ways. Not infrequently, I've heard stories, and I'm sure you're as aware of th these kinds of stories as I am, but... Uh, I'm, th I'm thinking of stories of hearts of people who who um, believe that they've found true love, only to discover that they've been betrayed, they've been rejected, and they've been gravely wounded somehow. Uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking of a daughter who has suffered the worst of all betrayals. She's been subjected to her father's lust. I'm thinking of a son whose father has walked away from him, leaving him with open wounds to deal with, in many cases for the rest of his life. I'm thinking of the husband who betrays his marriage vows and leaves a wife broken-hearted and in despair. All these kinds of issues uh, leave men and women's and young people's and children's uh, inward states uh, as playgrounds for demons who are only too ready to seize the opportunity to spoil and ruin. You know, here I mentioned just a few examples. Um, there's so much more that could be said here. I mean, we're, today we're watching uh, our culture spiralling into the dark abyss um, 
you know, when Adam rebelled against God, we, we refer to that event as the, as, as the, the fall. But who can measure how, how far he fell? And we're seeing all that out, working out today as we look around. We don't have to look very far. But thank God. Let me change the tune here. Thank God there is a gospel. The gospel of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul calls it on another occasion, the glorious gospel of the blessed God. On another occasion, he just calls it the gospel of God. And we, we are so thankful that we've come under the sound and under the influences of this great and wonderful gospel. It's the gospel of divine redemption. Yes, indeed, sin has left a crimson stain and it's brought moral calamity and hopelessness. But hallelujah, a second Adam came from heaven, a saviour, a deliverer, and his mission, we're told, was to destroy the works of the devil. How wonderful, how wonderful. He paid redemption's price with his blood um, and his nature and his name is love. Charles Wesley penned those words. His nature and his name is love. Not human love, not, not even human love at its very, very, very best. This love was God veiled in human flesh. It's interesting, Rome's, Rome's final testimony to this man were these words, truly this was the Son of God. Isn't that wonderful? I'd like to expand on that. Beloved, I'm asking you just to think about some words of Jesus. I'm turning in my Bible back to John's Gospel. And in John chapter 17, uh, Jesus is pr praying to, to his Father. And uh, <clears throat> in the 26th verse, it's actually the last statement in his praying to his Father, just immediately before Calvary. And this is what Jesus says. I'll read two verses, 25 and 26. O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. This is staggering. This is staggering. What a wonderful thing. Oh, I mentioned a few moments ago that the purpose of the Redeemer coming was to, dis to and the Deliverer to, to, to destroy the works of the devil, and there's much that could be said to explain and to help us understand what that meant and still means. Uh, but he, but he came, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, John's words, you know them well. Someone said it's the most well-known verse in the Bible. 
But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wonderful. And, and, and here's Jesus. He's, he's on the threshold of, of the, the very climax of his purpose in coming, which humanly, and, and I think also and believe also from his point of view also, was the most catastrophic uh, um, and most challenging situation that has ever existed in the whole of the world. Let me put it in the broadest terms. And and, and here he is. Um, another uh, scripture will tell us that he, he sweats, as it were, great drops of blood. He's got the agony of Gethsemane ahead of him. He's got He's got the, the, the cross itself with all that that would involve before him. But at that moment, he's, 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 he, he is the embodiment of divine love. He's in fellowship with his father, who is the embodiment of divine love. And together with the Holy Spirit, this triune God uh, have existed and will exist eternally in purest love, in love divine, all loves excelling. And in that moment, as he's talking to his father and anticipating Calvary and why he's going there at Calvary, it was to save and rescue sinful, lost, hopeless men and women and bring them to himself. And here he speaks to his father and he says, Father, I'm praying that the love wherewith you have loved me, that love, Lord, Father, I want that to be in them. Wonderful. This is this. As I say, it, it, it's stagger, It's a staggering request he's making, uh, but it comes with a staggering expectation as well, because he knows that God, his Father, is going to answer this prayer, uh, and he's told his people about it a number of times, just recorded in the earlier chapters of John's Gospel. Amen. The divine love of God, which is not human love. It's not a human emotion. It's somehow, it's somehow the very essence of who God is. Let that love be in them, and I in them. This is God's This is God's prayer for you, whoever you are, whatever's going on in your life. Perhaps there may be some who will listen to me speaking, who find themselves in one of those awful categories that I that I mentioned just minutes ago. And perhaps your heart is torn and your situation is desperate. You may feel betrayed and desperately alone. But here is the one who loves you with an everlasting love, uh, with a love that belongs to another world altogether. And he's speaking to you. He wants to love you with that love. I talked again earlier of me encountering that love and it warming my heart in some strange way perhaps your heart is being warmed in some strange way now as you're beginning to recognize that you are loved of god you are special to god uh, you, you 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 are his darling he loves you and he wants to bring deliverance to you he wants to bring healing to you he wants to bring 
a restoration not to what you once were, but restoration to how God intended men and women to live in the world. And he's still accomplishing that to this day. Wonderful. And we ask ourselves, well, how is, how is this possible? How? You know, that reminds me, as I use the word how, it reminds me of that event that's remembered annually in a very particular way. The angel is visiting the young maiden, Mary, and he makes, a, talking about staggering statements, he makes an astonishing statement to her, which we won't pause to discuss. Um, but, but do you remember that when Mary hears this word, she responds with this word, how? She said to the angel, how can this be? I, 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 I don't know a man in this way. And how can it how can it be? And do you remember the angel's response? He said, "The Holy Ghost will come upon you." And then he said some other things. The Holy Ghost—that's the Old King James. I was raised on the Old King James. Some people think I should have changed a long time ago. Well, I do look. I dip into other translations, but um, he's saying the Holy Spirit of God shall come upon you, and that holy thing that shall be born of you shall be the very son of god we're we're asking the question today how can this divine love which is the very essence of god's being enter into my life and the answer to that is you can't make it happen it doesn't come because of all your studying and all of your schooling and all of your Bible sessions and all of the videos you watch and whatever. It's only the Spirit of God that can accomplish this in your life. And there's the answer in a word. And, and, and the, the Apostle Paul, he puts it this way in, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. He, he says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. There's the answer to our question. It's, it's the, 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 the Holy Spirit, who we refer to sometimes as the third person of the Trinity. He, he has come into the world. He's always been in the world from the very beginning. It was his spirit that was brooding on the face of the waters in the beginning. Do you remember that verse of Scripture in Genesis 1? Uh, he's always been, but on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came with a new mission, with a mission he had never had before. And that mission was to bring to, 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 to uh, experience to, 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 to that which Jesus had purchased on the cross of Calvary. He came to, to bring the effects uh, and the and 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 the the virtue, the power, the reasoning for Calvary, and make it a reality in the lives of men and women. And he's still doing that to this day. And when we're saying, well, how can we receive this supernatural, this transcendent love, this heavenly love into our hearts that Jesus is talking about and praying about? The answer, once again, is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the Almighty Agent who will accomplish this in a man and in a woman's life, even today. Uh, we know that on the day of Pentecost, when all this was launched following Calvary, 
um, God, as it were, he, he, he flash flooded his, his life into the hearts of those men and women that were there open and disposed to him uh, on that occasion. And um, it, it's interesting because the verse I quoted from Romans 5 and verse 5 is the love of God, says the apostle, is shed abroad. The idea, that word that's translated shed abroad is only used on one other occasion in the New Testament. And that was the occasion when the woman broke the the, the flask of fragrance that she was going to anoint Jesus with. And the text of scripture there says that the whole house was filled with the aroma of the ointment. In other words, it went everywhere, got into every crevice and every corner of the house. And that's what Paul understood to happen when the Holy Spirit comes and sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts. It's not something that's contained in some small corner, our religious corner, our Sunday morning service corner, or anything like that. He fills, he flash floods the entire heart and spirit of a man and of a woman. Amen. In, in I think it was the last message I spoke, um, just very recently, um, I, I reached a stage, and I think I'm reaching the same stage here in this that I'm sharing with you just now. Uh, I, I think my question was came like this. Um, what what shall I do? You know, in, in the light of this offer, in the, in the light of this need and this provision, what shall I do? Can I, can I just pause for a moment? Just this morning, I received an email from a man, a man I've known for a long time, but I haven't been fellowshipping with him for a long time. And he wrote to me and he told me that he listened on the internet to that message. And... Uh, he said, I can't tell you what it meant for me because he said, you know, I, 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 I know that I've lost ground spiritually. I'm putting this into my own words now. But he said, I, I know I've lost ground somewhere and I've not known how to sort of get my life right again with God. And he said, and he said, when you made that statement, because you said, these are now his words. He said, when you asked the question, what do I need to do? Your answer was nothing and he said that released me in an amazing way uh, this heavenly blessing if god is speaking to you today if your heart is being strangely warmed by his presence and you sense him speaking to you you can you can take this for granted this is an indication that god is working toward you and the issue for you is not to question how do i get this what do i need to do or even what do i need to say all you need to do uh, is with this full confidence that god is calling you is to just fall into his love you know the the issue at its root is um is that you must, you know, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think how to say this. The issue at the root is not what, what, does, um, what, what, what does God need to do to make this become a reality? The, God is saying to you, you must more fully give yourself to him. We're saying you give yourself more fully to me. That's really what I'm trying to get to here. And God is saying, 
I'm already here. I'm for you. I have this provision. It's in my heart to do this in your life. You need to simply just fall into my love and trust me and believe me and drink in as you open your life even more fully to me with a fuller expectation that that which I will do in you will be greater than anything you have received before. You know, so much theology that we've been taught um, wants to leave us with the impression, well, we got all that at the beginning and now we just have to make sure that we try to keep ourselves on track by our discipline and, you know, but but no, God is always wanting to do something more, something deeper, something richer. Amen. So you're saying to God, give me. And God is saying to you, no, no, you give me. You give me yourself. Will you do that, my friend, today? An old hymn writer uh, who I quote often, Charles Wesley, I referred to him earlier. He puts these these things into words poetically in a, an amazing way. Uh, but two verses that come to my mind. He, he says, O thou, it's like a prayer to God. It could be my prayer right now. O thou who camest from above, the pure celestial fire to impart, kindle a flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. There let it for thy glory burn with inextinguishable blaze and trembling to its source return in humble prayer and fervent praise. I must close here. But you know, it's only when we have responded to this gracious offer of God in, a, in, in an ever fuller manner, that that love that came from heaven, that was manifested and embodied in the person of Jesus Christ, that brought him to that self-sacrificing moment on the cross, and now is imparted to us as we receive it and drink it into our inner being, only then will this divine love begin to be manifested uh, or become visible through my life, in my relationships and in all of my living. And without it, Paul was right, I am nothing. May God bless you. Let me just close with a short word of prayer. Father, this is your word. This is your gospel. This is your heart for these, your people. And Father, I pray that you will awaken an understanding concerning the wonder of wonders of your love for them and enable them, Lord, to dispose themselves and to open their inner being to you as they have never done before, now with a fresh understanding and fuller expectation of what you are about to do, Lord, and come and bring the richness and the wonder of this divine life, this divine love in every heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was very rich indeed.
I personally received from that myself. And I think it's important for people to know. Um, I, I, I just love how you use that script, those just that portion to say you could do all these things. You mm. could have spiritual gifts, mm. right? Mm. But that's not the measurement. It's mm. not that's even right. a measurement. Mm. That's right. Mm. At all. True. And it's hard for people mm. of this mm. postmodern mm. era mm. to do nothing. Mm. But that's what you said, your friend mm. said, it brought me so much relief. Like, mm. <sighs> that's right. Mm. A big sigh. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, well I thank you. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was then going to say it's just a pleasure to be able to share that. And I thank you for making it possible for me. I'm very, yeah. very grateful. Mm. Well, you know, the, uh, the Lord's word never comes back void. Mm. No. And that went into someone's soil mm. of their heart that it was prepared for. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I believe it. And um, so I personally want to thank you for mm -hmm. spending time with all of us. Mm -hmm. And I know people are going to say, well, um, who are listening to you for the first time or maybe the second time, but now they're like, how do I find Fred? How can I, uh, how can they contact you? Mm. Well, they can do it in a very a neat way now because largely as the result of Joni's encouragement, and tuition. I, at this stage in my life, and these are words I never thought would ever come out of my mouth, I have my own YouTube channel. And its name is uh, Turn to the Scriptures with Fred Tomlinson. And if you go there, you'll be able to see some other videos there. You'll be able to track me down. And there are ways of contacting me and you can also link up with uh, the website of the Mackenzie Christian Fellowship where there's some more information, a bit more information about me, if anyone's interested. And um, may God bless you. Mm. Thank you so much, Fred. And mm. the next time I have you on, I'm not going to use Skype. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to use <laughs> Zoom or something. So um, anyways, that's... Uh, yeah. Here or there right now, but I don't want to take away from the moment that everybody's received. So as usual, I'm going to sign off with you right now to leave everybody with this message and not hear any more of me. So mm -hmm. God bless you. Thank you. And we look forward to having you on again. Thank you. Thank you.